0: With no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. You know the rules of the game. Yeah. You know the rules of the game. I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a
1: millionaire and go on, do what I want to do, have kids, go live my trip enjoying the games like out here in Texas, or struggle for next week. The choice is yours. What's
2: up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. welcome 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 to another episode of the black wealth renaissance podcast it's your boy Jalen here checking in one fourth of the bwr crew the rest of the crew they kind of running a little bit late um but they're gonna join in and check in throughout the podcast uh we got a very special podcast man we've been trying to catch up with this brother for a little minute um he's he's a true hustle out here he's a chicago native uh you got the name infamous CPA. You don't get a name like that just for being no slouch. Um, so I definitely want to welcome my brother Brian Robertson onto the show. Welcome, welcome, my brother.
1: Man, I appreciate y'all having me. Man, it's super dope to see y'all progress, man. So now I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation and seeing what value we can add to you to your audience. So thanks again yeah. for having me.
2: Hey, bro, we appreciate it, man. Um, and we're just gonna get right into it. The way we start off. We just get our guests to give their backstory. So, you know, what was it like for you growing up in Chicago? How'd you become the infamous CPA? And then we'll get into some of the other
1: awesome things that you're doing, man. Okay, 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 cool. So my story started um, in Harvey, Illinois. So I was born in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, you know, my, my story is similar to a lot of, you know, a lot of people in our little, I guess, money Twitter or whatever, where... Uh, Essentially, I grew up in a low income, a low income family. Um, Mom and dad were divorced around eighth grade. I really struggled a lot growing up with self-confidence as well as really just being shy in terms of, you know, communicating and so on and so forth and taking risks and growth and et cetera, et cetera. I can go on and on. Um, But the turning point for me was really my freshman year of college. Because um, so I graduated high school and during my high school graduation, you know, I was seeing people basically graduate ahead of me in my class. And it kind of pissed me off because I knew that um, they weren't necessarily, you know, smarter than me or anything like that. It was more so I let them outwork me because I didn't really care in terms of school. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in high school, I just maintained my little 3.0 or 3.2 or whatever. And then I was cool. I was just cool with that. I was satisfied. So that kind of lit a fire under me. So going into my freshman year of college, I really went in with the mindset that, you know, I have certain skills right now. Uh, I want to build upon those. And then I'm going to share my weaknesses. So I started to go all in on my personal development, you know, reading different books, uh, trying different things that would take me outside of my comfort zone. So I can facilitate that growth personally and professionally as well. Um and from there, joined a ton of organizations on campus. Um, but that was just the personal development side. Uh, I kind of just took off from there in terms, of, you know, becoming a better leader, becoming a better communicator and so on and so forth. But then on the, I guess, money or wealth side um, during college, you know, I was super not financially literate. You know, I ran up credit card debt. Um, I had a lot of issues with my credit. My credit score probably after the time I graduated is about 580, uh, had collections, late payments, so on and so forth. So I kind of took the same approach that I did when I graduated high school, when I went all in on my professional, or personal development. This time I went all in on my financial literacy. So you know, I started reading a ton of, ton of books about money. Um, and that's kind of how the infamous CPA came about because I was already a CPA, But, you know, even going to school for accounting, you don't get knowledge of personal finance. Like that's something that they don't teach. They basically, you know, prep you to go work for a corporation. Um, So you don't you don't get that personal side of it. That's that you really, really need. So that's why I always recommend, you know, uh, getting a college degree is cool as well. But that self-education piece that can take you so much further. But when you combine those two, you know, it's a definitely powerful dynamic if you do it right. Um, you choose the right discipline. So, so essentially, you know, I climbed out of credit card debt, paid off all, paid off about 7K in credit card debt. And then I taught myself um, basically how to repair credit. And um, that kind of birthed my credit repair company, the 700 Circle. So I restored my own credit and then I just started helping out a ton of my friends. And I'm like, okay, um, my ultimate goal was, you know, to help as many people as possible because I really feel like that's my calling. Um, and then I always been a fan of numbers. Like even when I was little, my dad used to make me compete against my other siblings. Uh, and they were all older since I was the youngest. So I, we would always compete in terms of, you know, multiplication times tables, etc., etc. And I'll always be the youngest killing my older brother and sister. So <laughs> I just fell in love with numbers from there. Um, so it was a natural switch from, you know, being a CPA, to basically studying personal finance and investing and so on and so forth. So now um, I have a rental car company where we have about 16 or 17 cars. Uh, We actually just bought another one yesterday. So I'm starting to lose count. Um, And then, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have the 700 Circle, my credit repair company. I also have a course on how to get started in the rental car industry to make passive income. I invest in real estate as well. I house hacked my first property out in Chicago and I'm still house hacking right now. Um, and I also have an investment club for real estate. So I don't know if I'm missing everything, but that's, a, that's a, the long story <laughs> made somewhat short. <laughs>
2: I told y'all this man is a hustler. He is out here getting it, bro. Um, and just in that story, man, there's a few things I would like to dissect and really okay. sit back and touch on. Um, and like you said, you know, your high school average was a 3.0, 3.2. Like, that's not that's not a, a good... Well, I'm not going to say a good, but most people who feel like they're slouches, they don't have no 3.0 or no 3.2. Mm-hmm. Most people might be like a 2.5 or something like that. So yeah. that's really... It's really motivating that you are like, you know, I'm not average, but, man, I see everybody else outworking me in that lit of fire under you to say, you know what, I need to really get my personal development Intact. So what was some of those books that you read on your journey through your personal development?
1: Man, so um one was called I I fell in love with kind of John Maxwell book. So he writes a lot about leadership and personal development. Um and they're like quick, they're to the point, and they definitely add a ton of value. So one was called Attitude 101. Um it basically speaks on having a great simply a great attitude and how that can help, you know, facilitate your growth, foster your development. And ultimately help you reach your goals um and then another one was called um how successful people think i think that was a john maxwell book as well um and that was a really great book as well so it basically you know went into all the differences of basically a poor or poverty mindset versus a wealthy mindset and how you can you know make that switch um because i really feel like you know, your mindset is kind of the number one thing holding a lot of people back you know some people might say oh it's racism oh it's capitalism etc etc but it's really what you believe because people really understate the power of your mind like if you really if you can believe if you believe something you know that's really the first step to achieving it um as cliche as it may sound but if you really you know sit back and think about it you hear that in so many different religions you hear that you know so many different fables etc etc and you've been, we've been hearing this from you know the beginning of time so when when you think of it like that like it has to have some merit to it so when you you know actually take that step and start believing and put action behind that belief you can go so much further um so i always say you know focus on your mindset focus on your personal development and then other books i read um rich dad poor dad of course um even though that's personal development more so like financial literacy and mm-hmm. Thinking differently about money. I read. Um, I read. What's that book called? It's like why should white guys have all the fun? That's a great book that I highly recommend. I read both thinking broke, thinking grow riches. You know the regular one, and then thinking the grow rich, a black choice. I, I read a ton of books. So, yeah, yeah,
2: that, that that's some very dope books, man. Um, so you know while you're in college and you know you're starting to read these things and like you said, you ended up going and joining different organizations and stuff but i kind of want to get into the college piece because i feel like there's something that it's, it's a big topic right now as is is college a waste is it just like a scam you know you're getting in a debt a debt trap or you know is it does it actually add value to your life so with you being a college graduate how do you feel that going to college impacted your life
1: man Going to college impacted my life tremendously. Um, cause like I mentioned earlier, like I knew I had I had skills that I needed to gain. I had, you know, deficiencies that I needed to shore up. Um, so college gave me the opportunity, you know, to get outside my comfort zone as much as possible uh, to gain, you know, those unique and different experiences that help facilitate that growth. So I always I think college and is pretty much like anything else. It's a tool. And if you use that tool appropriately, you know, you're going to get to where you want to go. But if you you don't if you go in without a plan, you know you're not getting the full experience. You're not you know stretching yourself and getting outside your comfort zone. Then you're going to have a totally different experience. So I think college is really like anything It's really what you make it. Uh, but if you go in with the right mindset, you have a plan. Like you know what type of job you want to get or what type of skills you want to gain to leverage to build a business or so on and so forth. You can really be successful. Uh, but a lot of times people fall into a debt trap because they don't they don't maximize, you know, all their opportunities cuz I talk about this a lot where individuals don't even apply for a lot of scholarships. Like they go to school for 4 years and they probably p- apply for maybe, you know, 30 scholarships max over their 4-year term and then they wonder why they, you know, 40, 50, 100k in student loan debt and then they say it's a scam. And it's like you didn't even try. To, you know, get that grant money because it's billions, probably hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in scholarships and grants each year that don't get claimed. Yeah. Um, so we leave a lot of money on the table because we don't invest that time into simply applying for different scholarships and loans. I mean, not scholarships and loans, but scholarships and grants. But Most colleges big. can definitely be super, super useful.
2: And And that's something that we kind of like we preach on this show, too, because. With the college thing, like we said, we hear a lot of people say, you know, it's a scam or, you know, I just, I went and I got that. But like you said, it's a tool. If you use it appropriately, if you find out which major you actually want to go, if you yeah. actually look up the job outlook for those fields, because that is a thing. Like if you look up for the projected job outlook and different type of things like that, you can make a better choice and a better decision to say, okay, now I can use this tool appropriately. It's just like a knife. If you if you use the wrong part of a knife to try to cut, it's not gonna do its job. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you switch it over and use the sharpened part of the blade, it works exactly like it's supposed to be working. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. It's a tool and if you use it appropriately, it's gonna get done right, man. And I uh, definitely, definitely like that tip with the, with the grants and stuff because that's something I didn't think about either. Some people they don't even apply to what they, they feel that once they get into school, scholarships are done. I can't get any more scholarships. Yeah. But like you said, you can still apply while you're in school and start getting money back.
1: Yeah. And and something that a lot of people don't know as well is that you know, when you graduate college, it's still a ton of grants that you can get to help pay off your loans. Um, so if people aren't familiar with this. This company called Scali, um, and that's C S S C H O L L Y. they do student loan giveaways, like, all the time where, you know, even if you're in school or even if you graduated recently, they'll, you know, pay off your student loans if you, you know, win the giveaway. You should get, you typically got to submit an essay or submit a video or something like that. They probably do these at least, you know, quarterly. Um, So that's something you could look at as well. Granted, you know, I'm sure millions of people will apply, but, you know, it's something. Um, but yeah, you really just gotta. It's really just a matter of utilizing your resources and maximizing that out. Because there's so much money, just just it just gets left on the table because we don't invest that time. And it's like it's simple. It's not a lot of time to write an essay. You know, once you've applied to a ton of essays, I mean, a ton of uh, you know, grants or scholarships. You you can really you know read reuse and repeat some essays. of those essays. Like I used to do that all the time. Uh, and definitely definitely would still get the same ones year over year and even then i still didn't even maximize you know my potential in terms of grant money um which i definitely regret but i still played it smart enough to where i only graduated with 27k and uh student loans which is a little bit less than average uh but yeah. it's super manageable that's that wasn't even you know half of my first year salary so that's something i always recommend as well um like don't take out more than you know half of your first month salary or your first year salary, um, but you have to also evaluate, you know, those higher income, those higher paying jobs. So, like if you're going for a lawyer, you no, know, you might go 100, 200 k in credit card debt. I mean, not credit card, but student loan debt. But at the end of the day, you know, your income potential is so much higher than, a, let's say, an accounting job or something like that when you're going into that same amount of debt. Uh, so you also gotta weigh that as well.
2: Hmm. I like that. So, if y'all listening, if you're currently in school and things like that, definitely take some of these things into account. Uh, go check out Scholarly. My my brother just gave y'all f- some free game on how you can start getting some student loan help, and definitely just start applying for more grants and stuff. Um, yep. And I'm glad that you mentioned the credit card thing because that was the next section I wanted to move into. So, you know, you're a fresh graduate. Mm-hmm and you know you, you you get out and you look at all this credit card debt what is the first thing that goes through your mind you like whenever you see your credit score and you you really realize you know what you've truly done
1: yeah i mean honestly the first thing i thought to myself i was like man i'm bsing honestly because i'm like i know i know i could be doing better like i mentioned you know i'm a numbers guy but i just never put i never put the pieces together on personal finance never really tried. But I knew that, you know, if I did, then I would be good. But uh, the first thing I always tell people is really you need to analyze your situation. So you need to know, you know, how much credit card debt do you have in total? Uh, How much do you have on each card? You know, what are the interest rates on each? What are the minimum payments? And try to put it together in a spreadsheet or just a way that is easily recognizable. um, So you can see, you know, where you at and what your overall credit utilization is as well. Because that you know determines thirty percent of your credit score. Um, so you have a ton of credit card debt, you probably not are going to have a a high credit score. And that's something that a lot of people don't take into consideration in terms of credit repair. They think you know they get all their late payments and derogatory items removed from their credit report, they'll be straight. But that's definitely not the case if you're you know maxing out your credit cards and have a high credit utilization. Um, so basically, after you you know have all that information in terms of you know your total credit card debt amount the interest rates minimum payments etc etc then you need to select you know what what strategy you're going to use to pay those off so you can use the snowball method where you know you're basically lining them up from lowest balance to highest balance and paying them off um, like that from lowest to highest um, that's a way for people who you know they need that gratification. They can't really delay it. Uh, they want to see those wins up front. That's a way for them to, you know, stay motivated during their process because, you know, you're starting low and then building up as you go. Um, or you can you can use the you can use another method where you pay the highest interest rate first. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is typically going to save you the most money on interest. But this this approach can uh delay your progress a little bit so you got to be really disciplined if you go that route but that's the route that'll save you you know the most money um or you can go highest balance to lowest balance as well it really just depends on how you are that's why i say people really need to take into account the personal piece of personal finance because ultimately it's going to be a ton of strategies out strategies out there for you know a ton of different disciplines but you really have to find out what works for you so it's going to be trial and error up front till you figure out you know what works for me best and what's, you know, most efficient for my time.
2: I love it. And that's definitely, definitely true though, because we get those questions in the DM all the time, you know, what's the best way to fix my credit? Uh, How can I do this? How can I do that? And we had Irene on the uh, podcast uh, Mm -hmm. a few episodes ago and she was like, you know, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's situation is different. I think she said she ended up paying off like, a big balance and her credit score moved like five points. So she's yep. like, Man, what the hell? Like I mm-hmm. just, get of this, I'm thinking if I pay this off, my credit score is going to be fixed. So like you said, you definitely just have to take some time and get personal with it because that's what personal finance is really figuring out your situation and see what you got to do.
1: Yeah. Facts. Facts.
2: Um, so with that, with that, personal finance journey. How long did it take you for you to actually, you know, develop that mindset and really just say, okay, now I got it. Now I can start helping out my family and friends.
1: Mm-hmm. So let me think, um, cause the financial piece of it. I, so I probably, I paid off my credit card debt in like six months. Um, you know, I got really disciplined and started increasing my income as well. Um, so it probably took honestly. It's not. It's not tough to digest the information when you're a CPA, because um, a lot of this are are concepts that it's just easily digestible when you know you have a background in that area. But for someone who doesn't have a finance background, um, that's just kind of new to personal finance in total. They should you know really just take out time, maybe. I would say even investing like three hours a week or something like that, maybe even two, just listen to podcasts, you know, uh, here and there during your commute or, you know, reading books here and there. It's really relatively simple to, you know, trade in music for a day or trade in music for a bus ride or a train ride or whatever. So it didn't really take me long, maybe like, you know, three or four months uh, to really nail down like budgeting. And then um, I invested like three months in learning, Uh, Credit repair, like going all in, you know, taking training classes, reading books, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But that's the ongoing, you know, learning thing as well, where you're continually learning, you know, as credit repair starts to change and companies starts to, you know, shift and laws start to change. You got to continually be updated with that. And that's the same with being a CPA. Um, But investing that time up front initially doesn't take very long to really get accustomed with the information. But it's an ongoing process, like anything else. Like as you grow, as your income grows, like you're gonna start to, you're gonna start to need to learn different concepts to maintain that wealth and wealth and to keep growing. So it's definitely an ongoing process. But at the onset, like it, it you can invest two to three hours per day for like three months, and you'll see a dynamic change in your mindset and probably your finances as well if you put action behind that knowledge that you're learning.
2: Hey, and that's so true. And I see a lot of people in our community, they just have so much trouble with that because a lot of the underlying things you're telling me is, you know, hey, I invested some time up front with your essays and you're getting them scholarships. I invested the time up front, but on the back end, I was able to reuse, probably just had to tweak it a little bit to fit mm-hmm. what you're talking about. But after you put that initial work in up front, you're able to come back and really, not work as hard. You're able to say, okay, now I got these tools in my arsenal. I could just start pulling them out and I can really okay. start say, okay, I'm glad that I invested this six months into doing this. I'm glad that I invested this two hours for this week, writing this essay. Now I can use it and it's going to save me so much more time on top. And I just, I just see that problem so much in our community. Um, I was actually just talking to my sister the other day and she got a tax refund and I'm trying to tell her, you know, Hey, start investing in these assets. I'm trying to tell her, trying to show her how to use prosper, how to use, um, stash and different things just so she can start on her investment journey. And she's like, um, oh, but I don't know, um, how long it's going to take me to get my money back? I think I'm gonna just go tip my windows on my car, whatever. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you bullshitting, <laughs> you are bullshitting so much. And then it's just like, she look at me, she's like, okay, I, I, I took time to invest in myself. Last year, around my birthday, I canceled my Apple Music. I canceled so much shit. And like you said, I just traded all of that time in for me actually listening to books, getting on the podcast, tip and everything. And now I'm starting to get some of them, reaping some of those benefits. And they're like, hey, how are you doing that? I told you guys, I gave you guys a game, but you don't want to listen you don't want to take that delayed gratification so since you are like a numbers guy and you know growing up how did you just get to that that finance side of things though like how did you get drawn to the cpa like
1: so um it was really you mean just becoming a cpa or
2: well like even just choosing that major because you know some people especially in our community some people, they'll be like, okay, I like numbers. I might go get a math degree, or I'll go become an engineer. We don't really, I don't see as many of our our uh, people saying, okay, I'm going to become an accountant.
1: Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, it really started uh, in high school. So, my algebra teacher, I think it was my sophomore or junior high school. It might have been junior year where he, one day in class, asks, us, like, you know, if you guys are thinking about college, or even if you're not you know, if you did go, you know, what would you major in? Um, And this girl who we used to compete in terms, you know, who can get the highest grade. We were both, we both love math, right? We used to compete. She said accountant. And at the time I had no idea. So when she said accountant, I'm like, okay, we both, you know, we love math, you know, we both numbers people. So let me, it might be some merit to this accountant thing. So I literally just went home, you know, I Googled it, what it was, what I'll be doing. I went on Glassdoor and I did some research in terms of the job outlook. And I'm like, damn, If I'm an accountant. You know, I'm always going to have a job. That was my first reaction. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. Uh, the income is decent. And, you know, I get to do what I want to do, which is work with numbers. And then I also looked at it from the, the aspect where, you know, accounting is really the language of business. So if I wanted to have my own business and dabble in entrepreneurship, I'll be able to talk that talk and I'll be able to do my own numbers. And then from a the tax standpoint, I'll be able to find, you know, loopholes to reduce my tax liability as well and, and bring that back to my community. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I always felt that my passion and my purpose on this earth is really to help others. And now I found my lane that is to help them really personally and professionally and financially as well. Um, so I'm like being a CPA was like the perfect thing for me to do. Uh, just to bring that financial literacy back to my community uh, so it was aligned pretty much with everything else but it started all because somebody else mentioned accounting um, so i'm definitely thankful for her which is crazy because you know I, I haven't i haven't seen that girl since high school and she don't even know probably how big of an impact that decision that one little decision that one little comment she made has had on my life and transpired into everything that i'm doing today
2: hey shout out to her man hey Real, 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 real dope. Uh, I love it. And I'm glad we got into like, you know, how you became a CPA. Now, next part, we're gonna go into how you really started ramping up and started creating these businesses that you've just been killing it with, Mm -hmm. these courses and everything. So we're about to get into that. All right. So now that we got your background story, we're gonna go into your first venture. Your first venture was the cars. Yep. How'd you really learn about that? I'm not even gonna say finesse. How'd you learn about that business? And how'd you I fit? I think the business of finesse, I ain't gonna
1: lie at Nah, so um, one of my CPA buddies, he used to do it. So he was doing it for a while. He told me, you know, it's super profitable and I kind of shrugged it off. Uh, and then one day I decided I was gonna do it. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try it out. And then um, as I was finna list my car on this platform, um, my sister's car went out. So, my mom kind of convinced me to rent it to her. So, what I did was I rented it out to my sister. Um, Then everything was going well. And then she decided to get a DUI and crash my shit. So, uh, that's how that turned out. And then um, at the time, you know, I was searching for my crib. Um, So, I'm like, damn, I had to use some of my down payment money or some of my emergency fund or reserves to finance um finance the repairs for the car so i'm like okay i need to recoup this as quick as possible so i can get back to you know buying a house um so on and so forth so i paid for the car repairs and then i went with what i should have did in the first place i put the vehicle on the platform after i got my uber and Lyft inspection and the platform i'm referencing is Hire car a lot of people do turo as well but i use higher car because in my market um and because of the, the nature of higher car's business model, they typically have higher demand. Um so I put it on the platform and my first rental literally was for 36 days and I made twelve hundred dollars. And all I had to do literally was, you know, basically get an Uber and Lyft inspection because I had the car already. Uh I already had insurance. I had to take pictures, get the Uber and Lyft inspection and it got rented like that. Uh, and I was tweak it tweaked me out because I'm like, it can't be this e- this easy. Because that was like my first taste, at passive income. You know, we hear people talk about making money in their sleep. But you really make money in your sleep because you get paid like every day or every other day. Um, because what typically what renter would do, they'll book it for two days and then they'll extend day by day. So I'm getting, you know, $42 a day just, it just continually hitting my account. And I'm just throwing it in my savings, throwing it in my savings. And then it's passive. You know, once you hand those keys off, um, you're essentially just making money if they're just doing what they should be doing, if nothing is going wrong. uh, You're really just making money. You don't even have to communicate to them much. then, in terms of maintenance, um, you just pretty much have them do it and then send you a picture of the receipt, you pay them, and y'all just go upon your day. So, I don't even invest a lot of time each month in running the business. And now that I have a team around me, You know, I got some strategic partnerships where we just formed one big company and we just leverage all one another's talents. So we all have different positions. And now I'm just over the accountant. Now I can just do the monthly financial statements, uh, help with, you know, analyzing cars and making strategic decisions. Um, But I don't have to do none of like the management. You know, I'm not meeting with renters. I'm not, you know, getting cars fixed. They need fixed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So now it's super, super passive. Even though it was passive before, now I'm investing probably like, you know, maybe two hours a month max at running this business. So it's a super easy business to get into and super easy to manage it, especially when you got a blueprint, um, which I didn't have at first. So I went through a lot of growing pains because, you know, just figuring it out um, without really a ton of help, you know, even though I had individuals that I knew doing it. No one really had, like, a blueprint out there where I could just, you know, sit down, learn everything I need to know, have tools all ready to go, and then just go into, you know, running the business. I had to iron that all out. Um, so that's why my blueprint is so powerful because, you know, you can get from A to Z like this rather than going through a year and a half of trial and error like I had to.
0: yeah. And that, and, but that's powerful. And there's a lot of things you mentioned in that. Like I know, just going back, whenever you were talking about just the whole business model of the cars, how passive it is, the the maintenance. I think that would be the first thing that everybody think. Like, oh man, if you rent out cars, the maintenance is gonna be this. It's gonna be such mm-hmm. a hassle. But you just talked about this. Like, you can learn that type of shit and not have to go through that in the hard way.
1: Yep.
2: And. My, my question is, what was it like written to your first person though? Because I know like you're invested in this car. You're like, mm-hmm. you also just came from your sister with the DUI crash and shit. So what was your risk level? Like, okay, man, how do I trust this person and how do I actually go, go about and say, okay, I'm going all in.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I was a little bit nervous, but at the end of the day, I was like, man, worst come to worst, they crashed my car and I got insurance. And they're gonna pay for it, like, and then on top of that, the platform has insurance as well. Um, so I had different contingencies in place. Then I saved every month for uh repairs and reserves as well. Um, so I basically calculated my risk. Um, I calculated my risk very well, and then my risk tolerance naturally is just a little bit higher because I already know you know I need to get outside my comfort zone, so I'm comfortable with taking risks. Because at the end of the day, my motto is that, you know, I'm either going to win or I'm going to win. Uh, so I'm either going to win and it works out financially or I'm going to – something's going to go wrong and then I win by learning a lesson. Uh, so I kind of just take that approach to everything that I do, and this was no different. Um, and with that approach, it just gave me, you know, way, way more confidence because I knew I was just going to rebound from anything that happened. And I ultimately, I'm going to make it work some way, somehow.
2: Yeah, I love
0: it. And there's one, there's Jen, one. It, it kind of leads to a question I kind of want to ask. So like, how does that, like, you know, you always got that persistence with, like, it's going, it's going to work out. So, how does that relate to you getting creative with buying these cars? Because I know you mentioned how you pulled from here and there to finance the repairs. Mm-hmm. So I know you probably did some trickery, some magic with the the financing too.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's really just. It really, it really comes down to like that personal development and that mindset piece, um, like I mentioned, you know, earlier in the interview. So, you got to have the mindset of a problem solver um, because it's really that's all. That's really all. Really, life is like. That's all. Really, problems are they're just opportunities to solve a problem, um, and that's how you got to look at it. So, when I didn't have the money or I was i was looking to buy a house and i couldn't really put anything on my credit i really just had to ask myself you know okay i want to buy another car how can i make this happen and then that forces my mind to get creative and think um different ways to finance the vehicle whether it's by a credit card whether it's getting a business line of credit whether that's partnering with another individual and um you know leveraging their credits and having them purchase a car etc etc um It's really just a matter of me trying to figure it out. Like that's all it really came down to, like getting creative, just really just figuring it out. Um, And then I noticed uh, one of my business partners noticed that, you know, we're purchasing from or doing consistent business with a particular dealership or a particular car lot. they're They're more likely to form partnerships with us in terms of, you know, changing the financing terms, um, to basically fit fit our investment criteria fit our approach um because they know we're going to be a repeat customer versus somebody going to buy a car for a one-time thing and they're going through the standard processes so we got to a point where we didn't have to worry about you know our credit being hit our credit wasn't even going to be run um if we went to this certain dealership so forming those strategic partnerships from a personal level, with individuals in the actual business, and then with you know dealerships and vendors as well, to basically help facilitate our growth. So really, just you know figuring things out, actually investing time and growing the business versus you know operating it. Because that's what a lot of entrepreneurs they get into the habit of working in the business, so their business is not able to grow because they are, they spend all their time working on it. They don't have time to sit down and you know plan out growth. Um, and basically, how they're going to continue to move forward and continue to evolve over time. So that's why you know this business is so great because it's so passive. So it gives you that time to get creative and you know start thinking of new ways and new approaches to increase your efficiency. I like that. I like how that that little
2: snippet about that growing in the business. because yeah, and-
0: like I know even personally with us, that's a lesson we had to learn on our journey. Like mm-hmm. we. Spent a lot of time last year working in the business instead of, yeah. on, instead of on the business and once we started focusing on working on the business we started seeing more doors open up we started seeing more opportunities arise
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's really definitely that's major for anybody uh and i know the book that talk on that the email yeah the E-Myth. yeah that's that's a great book
1: what book the E Myth. Uh, yeah i heard of it i ain't i haven't read it yet i'm gonna have to check it out
2: it out man yeah, you I gotta got it. check it out it's, it's a real good book especially if you're a business owner out there and you're mm-hmm. having those growing pain and those growing struggles it'll give you a lot a lot of game and it'll just put some different things into perspective for you so definitely check out the email mm-hmm. um and now i want to go in how did the running the car business help prepare you to get into your real estate business? Because I, I see similarities in those, like mm-hmm. the saving aside for maintenance, the repairs, you also have to deal with the people, the relationship side. So how did that kind of, you know, make your transition into real estate a little bit easy?
1: Yeah, it definitely made it easy. Cause um, doing rental cars, that was like my second business. But the first was like an internship um, in college where I was running my own exterior painting company, but you know that helped prepare so much it helped prepare from my analysis standpoint because i had to analyze i had to analyze these vehicles to make sure you know it was meeting my criteria for how much cash flow i wanted per month um etc cetera, etc cetera. so it helped me in that front from an analysis standpoint cuz i'm like okay if i have specific criteria to what vehicles i want and what cash flow i want i should do the same with real estate so now when i'm looking at properties i know what's a deal that fits my investment criteria Versus, you know, trying to uh, do it on the fly. So now I save a lot of time where I can analyze a crib um, relatively quickly. And then I'm like, okay, it's either a go or it's a no-go versus I'm like, okay, it looks nice. Let's go look at it, Um, which is what a lot of people do. A lot of people don't take the time out to lay down those guidelines and that criteria. So that was number one. And number two, it was really the business experience period um, because, I think you just learn a lot of lessons when you're just in business spirit. Uh, So just learning, you know, how to work with people, how to make sure that you're getting good deals, how to make sure that people you're working with in terms of fixing the cars or working with contractors or subcontractors, like you learn how to work with people. You learn how to look out for those bad signs of, you know, a bad contractor or a bad vendor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it helped me a ton in terms of real estate. Definitely. So I'll I would definitely encourage everyone to pay attention to what they're actually doing. Even if it's at work, even if you know it's a side hustle, pay attention to the skills that you're developing because they can they're typically going to be translatable to other different areas of your life or other different businesses as well. Um, so, so definitely you definitely want to pay attention to that. And that just, that just comes with reflection, which a lot of people don't do. Um, so I always make sure to reflect at least a couple times a week. And recently, I, I picked up that hustle journal. I don't know if y'all are familiar with it, but if you follow them on Instagram, I think their name is just the hustle journal. So this is a really dope journal where it allows you to, you know, you, you got affirmations at the beginning of the day. Uh, you can put your task list in there, and then you can also – reflect it's a it's a section to reflect day by day as well uh so that forces me to really sit down and think about how my day went what went well what went wrong what lessons did i learn and kind of go from there um so if you're reflecting like if you're doing that that plays into like that personal development piece as well and that just helps you prepare yourself a little bit further than everybody else because people don't really reflect if you think about it we just spend a bunch of our time just connected to the internet scrolling social media partying and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. At least that's what the average person does. So you can just be a little bit better than average. You can be successful, and I think everybody has that ability.
0: I like that. Yeah, that's so true, bro. Because like that that personal development piece, I feel like people they look at it as being such hard work, but it's really just choosing to spend your time a yeah. little differently. That's all it is. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'll never forget it because it happened. And I probably mentioned this on the podcast three times. uh, I don't really listen to music like that. You know, mm-hmm. by uh from Mobile Home Elite Investors. Yeah. He said something to me that made too much sense. It was like, bro, you can listen to the same song over and over again, And you can start tuning into these podcasts, these audio books, mm-hmm. these YouTube videos, and learning you something that's gonna really help you do better at what you're trying to do. Yeah. And that, it was a rap, like and since then you just like you see how you can learn so much. So, I want to ask you, like, what were some things you did on your personal development journey to, like, you know, budget your time differently?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I started doing the same thing as you. I actually stopped listening to music for a certain period of time as well. Because I figured, I'm like, bro, this music is always going to be here. Like, why not, you know, invest that time in listening to podcasts? Because a lot of tasks I used to do at work as an auditor and even as an accountant, they're, like, remedial tasks. I don't really have to think about it. Too much, so it's nothing for me, you know, to put on the podcast. And even if I'm not fully tuned in, my subconscious is hearing, you know, these messages, and they're pulling that information in. Uh, so even if you know I'm not even fully present, I'm still getting those gems uh, versus listening to music where you gonna you gonna listen to the same song. You probably got a a playlist of a thousand songs. You probably really only listen to like fifty consistently. Uh, so why not just invest that time? And you don't even have to be every day. Like if you want to dip, you want to dip and dabble here and there. That's cool too. Just do something. Like just take action some way, sometime. Um, but in terms of budgeting my time, I'm really big on calendars. So like now, what I what I've started this week, I literally budget every single task because like my schedule is crazy to the point where I gotta I gotta put in the calendar. Like okay, you know, from eight to nine, I'm doing this task. From nine to ten, I'm doing that. Cause I was thinking about, you know, my time and I really only get like three or four hours a day to work on my business because I still have my nine to five. So my schedule is something like, you know, I'm up at, um, I'm up at like seven 30. I'm out the house by like eight ten to get on the bus. Uh, I, I typically leverage my bus time to either work on something. Cause I'm on the bus for like an hour, work on something, um, get some reading in, listen to a podcast or something. And then, um, I'm off work by six. And then I'm getting home at seven. So now I'm eating for at least like 30 minutes or maybe I might cook. So now I'm at eight. Then I need to be asleep by noon to get at least seven hours of sleep. So I only have, you know, about four, three to four hours to actually, you know, work every night. So I'm like, okay, I can't use that time to be uh, stagnant, procrastinating, et cetera, et cetera. I really got to maximize that time. So I just work in like, you know, 30 to an hour uh, 30 minutes to an hour increments now, and I just put it all in my calendar. Like, okay, I'm working on this income statement from eight to nine. Uh, I'm working on this from nine to 10, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, I just put my phone on airplane mode because it's so easy to get distracted. Like our our intention spans are like super short. I feel like everybody got ADD now because we can get everything so instant and like the world moves so fast. And when you scrolling on, you scrolling your timeline, your brain just starts jumping from this to this to this in, like, a matter of seconds. So now, like, our attention span has been really effed up, I think, by social media, um, and we kind of let it go that route. So it's really important to really budget your time. Um, and it's going to be a work in progress. Like, I'm still a work in progress with that as well. But that's something that has worked for me in terms of, like, that calendar piece because everything's planned out. You get those reminders, and it's kind of unconscious once you invest that time to actually, you know, put everything in your calendar.
2: Yeah, that's some good gems right there. That's, yeah, that's real good gems. So, I think one of the last things I kind of want to go into is you getting your house hack, man. What was that process like for you? You know, finding finding something that works, and not just house hacking mm-hmm. personal property, but finding something that works for you so we can start generating income too.
1: Okay, cool. So, um, so my real estate journey started with. Really first gaining the interest just by really just evaluating, you know, the strengths of real estate, like real estate is just so powerful because, you know, one is passive in terms of you actually being a, a buy and hold investor in rental properties. So you get that passive income, then, you know, your tenants are paying down your rent, uh, paying down your mortgage. Um, so now you're gaining equity on that front. Then it has just a ton of tax advantages and so on and so forth it really provides just a lot of flexibility um so i naturally just gravitated to real estate and then as i mentioned earlier you know i had a internship back in school where you know i was running my own exterior painting branches so i'm looking at i'm looking at houses seeing you know the different type of paints different type of materials et etc cetera, etc cetera. and that kind of just made me um like every time i'm driving i'm just looking at houses so mm-hmm. I started that back in I started that back in college but I never really thought about, you know, investing in actual real estate. I'm like, okay, this it was just a matter of, you know, I can go paint this house blah blah, blah. like that was super dope to me. And then I got into interior design. So my mom was always really big on like interior design. Uh, she was always great at staging and things of that nature. Um so I naturally got pretty decent at that uh, as well. So i naturally just gravitated to real estate and i'm like okay i want to invest i want to invest how am i going to do it so i found out about house hacking i found about you know wholesaling about all these different strategies so i thought to myself you know what which one do i want to do which one is going to pay the most dividends for me right now so i i knew i wanted to stop renting so i'm like okay i'm actually going to purchase something so I i didn't go with wholesaling because you don't own anything um so i'm like okay I'm gonna use the FHA loan. How I'm gonna do how I'm gonna how am I gonna set this up to where I'm not paying anything? Because I didn't want to be rent burdened. Um, and what that means is that you know, 30% or more of your housing costs, um, or 30% or more of your income are paid for specifically housing costs. And you know, I, I researched and I found that fifty percent of Americans are rent burdened, and then of those fifty percent, twenty-five percent I actually severely rent burden, which means that, you know, they're paying 50% of their income is going towards housing. So I'm like, damn, you know, how can I free up 50% of my income or 30% of my income or whatever? So have you. And that's when I found about house hacking. So I'm like, okay, I can go ahead and, you know, get a crib, live in one unit, rent out the other units, and I'm going to live for free. Um, but I wanted to profit a little bit as well. So then I start you know, evaluating that criteria. So I'm like, okay. How much do I want to make while I'm living there? Um, and I, I was cool with a couple hundred bucks. So I think I set it at like 200 bucks. And then from there, I just started taking action. Like I was scared as hell along the way. But I noticed that, and I think I read this somewhere. I, I forget which book it was, but I read that like, you know, as soon as that fear sets in or as soon as that doubt hits your mind, you need to do something that's going to, you know, Take, it's going to propel you to your next step. uh You need to really just take action immediately, like soon as that doubt hits your mind, because then your brain gets rewired to think about the possibilities. So I think my first time I doubted myself, or the first time I'm like, "Can I really do this?" I called Rashana, who's not now one of my good friends, but at the time it was my realtor. You know, I just hired her on the spot. I didn't have all the money that I needed, or but I had a saving plan to get there. Um, I just kind of just got started from there. We started looking at cribs. I started really getting into the analysis piece. Um, And one thing I also did, I worked for free as well. So I had a fraternity brother. He flipped houses. And I would literally, you know, after working, you know, 10 hours a day in my auditor job, I would go to his projects and I would literally work for free, paint, you know, help frame out houses, install drywall, do whatever. So now I'm learning the mechanics of it. And I'm getting to spend, you know, a couple hours a day with him and ask him pretty much any question I wanted in terms of real estate. This is someone who had been investing for like, you know, 10, 11 years. He's a general contractor. He's a licensed real estate agent. So he had a wealth of knowledge. um Revolt is building the largest platform for Black creators globally.
2: Become a member of our network at revoltcreators.com. The, the future, future is, is ours, ours to create.
1: create. So I definitely, I definitely recommend. You know, if you can. Find someone who's doing what you already want to do and you can add value in some way, shape or form, like go for it. It doesn't necessarily have to be working for free as well. Like you have a service that you offer and they need it, like offer that service for free. I trade services all the time. Like I'm gonna trade you credit repair, I'm gonna trade you budget, I'm gonna trade you a course. Like if you want something, uh we both have a mutually beneficial product or service or knowledge, like we can exchange. Um so that's something that I definitely recommend as well, because a lot of people get into the game or want to get started in real estate and they focus on basically just going and going alone. where it's a lot of people that will help you um, or they just try to get a lot of help and don't give anything in return. So that's why I always recommend that route. But after I hired my agent, you know, I searched for a couple of months. Couldn't find anything in the Chicago market because I wanted a multifamily building and the market was super competitive at the time. Um, and originally I wanted something turnkey. I was afraid of doing a rehab. I thought it was a little risky. I'm like, should I do a rehab with my first one? Nah, that was really just fear talking. So after I um, after I couldn't find nothing turnkey for a decent price, I'm like, it looks like I'm doing a rehab. Like I, I gotta do it. Um, and it was really the best way for me to build wealth and build equity as well. Cause now I got I got the opportunity to force that appreciation. I got the opportunity um, to even do a cash out refinance where I'm recouping all of my down payment plus more. Um, and now I, I managed the whole renovation process. So now when it's time to do my first flip, which I'm searching for now, you know I already have that experience working with the con- with contractors. I already have that experience, um, you know, analyzing basically for a flip. Cause when you're analyzing for a house hack that you're gonna renovate um, and do a cash out refinance, which is essentially like the BRRRR method, which is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. You're essentially doing the same thing that you are be doing with flipping. The only difference is you're just not selling that, uh, you're just not selling the building. So. so what that process look like? Yeah. Um, so essentially the strategy, like I mentioned earlier, I'm using the BRRRR method, so I'm buying it, I'm rehabbing, I'm renting it, I'm refinancing. So typically, what a lot of people do is, you know, they find a dilapidated property, um, and they typically purchase it for. They want the they want to be all in with you know the repairs, and the purchase price for all in for at most seventy five percent of the ARV or the after repair value, um, which you get from you know leveraging comps, which are comparable properties that sold within the last three to six months. Um, and they're typically in a one-mile radius from your property. They're typically similar in square footage. Uh, typically similar in terms of, you know, number of the bedrooms, the bathrooms, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, after you renovate it, you basically, you go to a bank and say, hey, you know, I want to refinance um, and I want to do a cash-out refinance. So if you buy it right, you can, you can, depending on the bank, you can get, I think, anywhere from... 80 to 85% or they'll finance up to 80 to 85% of the value of your crib. So if I, if I think about my numbers, right? So my property is worth about 260 right now. That's a conservative estimate. So 80% of that right now is like 208 grand. Um I owe right now like 190 grand on my mortgage. So you subtract that 208, You track that 190 from the 208, that's about 18k that I can pull out um in equity. So relative to my down payment, which I only put 7500 down, and I'm getting to pull out 18k, it's like a home run cuz now I'm recouping, you know, all of my upfront costs and then some, like, you know, even like 10 10 or 11k more. Um so that's pretty much how you do it. You basically just leverage a bank to refi um because you go out and you go in and you force that appreciation after you do the renovations. So I'm actually in the process right now. I'm going through Navy Federal, which is a credit union, um, which I highly recommend. Like, they're a great credit union. Like, they typically give really high credit card limits, like line of credits, et cetera, et cetera. They're really well known. Uh, but you typically have to be in the armed forces if you, you know, want to get in. Or you, tip, you just got to know somebody with a Navy Federal account and they provide their access code um, and they can get you in like that. So that's how I got in like my dad had an account but you can leverage you know a friend etc cetera, etc cetera. but that's typically the process you know for a cash out refinance cool. yep, yep yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> thinking of people, I'm thinking of people that's in the service right now man right. <laughs> <clears throat> but man, um,
2: definitely definitely appreciate it um we're gonna move into the last section of the podcast my brother okay cool we're cool. gonna get it time bro. And we just want to know. It doesn't have to be anything serious, anything too funny. Just anything that you yeah, saw in your timeline that you want to speak. Yeah, that you want mind. to elaborate on, oh, man. man. Is that in the coronavirus, anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's
2: a busy world. So morning. yeah, let's just
1: go into the coronavirus because I've been seeing a lot of stuff. Um, like I don't really know the full magnitude, but the first thing I would say, like, people really need to just be prepared. And not necessarily for the virus, um, but that's it's really all encompassing. Like that's why it's so important to really just have all your ducks in the row as far as, you know, your finances. Because something like this can potentially, you know, put us in a recession. You see the Fed just recently, you know, did an emergency cut of interest rates, you know, trying to prop up the economy because the market is down when you're thinking about stocks like everywhere. You see the, the airline uh uh, that sector like is getting killed. Um in times like this, it's a great opportunity to buy as well because you know everything is down. And you know ultimately, um once this virus gets tamed, you know, we have a vaccine now, everything goes back to normal. That particular sector and a lot of these sectors that rely on manufacturing out of China that stock has plummeted, they're gonna go right back up. And a lot of people gonna make money off of this. Um, so I would say definitely just look for opportunity. like opportunity is everywhere. Make sure to protect yourself. Like make sure to have reserves when it comes down to personal finance, because you really never know what can happen because our economy economy been booming for like 10 years or like yes. for, for a little while now. And for this big hit to happen, um, I don't know the magnitude of this compared to like Ebola a couple years ago, but, I'm sure that this 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 hit is like... Something like this only happens for probably like every 10 years or so or something. Um, but you always just got to be prepared. You got to be prepared to, you know, take advantage of these different buying opportunities. And you also got to be prepared to outlive, you know, any recession as well as, you know, any downturn in the, in the economy uh, because of something like this. But I would say make sure y'all washing y'all hands because... We always go to the, I always go to the bathroom, bro. And people don't be washing their hands. So they splash a little water on them and then walk out. I'm like, bro, what? And then they touch the handle. I'm like, look, wash your hands. Use a paper towel to grab the handles, sanitize yep. everything, man. And uh, really just take care of yourself for real, but just be prepared. Uh, so coronavirus has been something that's been on my timeline. Like it's been on everybody's timeline. It's all over. Like, I I haven't really been following it in terms of, like, you know, how many people have died or, like, where it's spreading, et cetera, et cetera. I think I'm invincible because I'm vegan. I don't think I can get it. Uh, That's probably a lie I'm just telling telling myself, but definitely making sure to sanitize and wash my hands and do all of that. But I think it's serious, though. Like, I don't really know the magnitude. Um, I think it's really tough to interpret the full magnitude or, like, believe the full magnitude when you just got to rely on, you know, reports from the news because you can't really you know confirm any of that but it seems like people it seems, it seems like people you know it seems like it's super serious it seems like people a lot of people are passing away or getting infected and it's spreading and spreading and spreading so just make sure y'all are taking care of yourselves for real because if it's as serious as everybody say you know it's definitely definitely important to make sure you're taking care of yourself and being clean and not letting nobody else get, get you sick like this is really wild out here
0: Hell yeah. The thing is with like the coronavirus to me, it's like, we can't let it unnervous. Like, so I like how you said you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. I'll live the recession if hey, it does come. like the thing is, you can't, because life will go on regardless. Yeah. Like the coronavirus around, but it's not going to be the end of us, guys. Like... Shit like this come around all the time. They have epidemics every, if you go through a list, like every other year, it seems like they got some shit. Yeah,
1: that's facts.
0: So it's like, you really gotta lock in and pay attention to everything that's going on around you. Yeah, like, like you said, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, work on building up those finances, do all these things. Cause whether like all the, one thing I always say about the news, that shit make you nervous. It's like, it it sensationalizes everything, you know? It's like, it make it realer than it is for you. And a lot of times people, they'll get outside themselves and not really do what they should be doing day to day to handle it. So yeah, just focus and like with that coronavirus shit, take care of yourself, but take care of yourself in other regards too. Don't be all like these people like OJ buying water and shit at Costco. (laughs)
1: Hey, yo, like Marshawn List said, take care of your cheese or your chicken. What he say? Take care of your chicken.
2: Look. Exactly. <laughs> and there was one part I do want to get, like, with that supply chain, man. Like, you know how you see a lot of things going from China? On my timeline, I saw Apple, Microsoft, and one other company. They're thinking about, like, moving their supply chain from China. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, man. that'll be crazy.
1: They can afford to. Yeah, that'll be
2: like, how much are they willing to spend? Because if they move it from there, that means that the product itself is going to go up too. Possibly. I mean, they, they got the war chest. They prepared for it. They like mm-hmm.
0: the, the most cash-rich company. Yeah. Uh, Apple. Uh,
2: Apple is. Yeah. 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 I don't know what he's up to, um So, Brian, can you just let the people know, where can they find you? Some of the services that you offer, and also tell them about some of your courses that you got. Yeah, yeah. So you
1: can find me on all social media at The Infamous CPA. So I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, uh, really big on both of those. And I got a Facebook page as well, but that just links, you know, Instagram and Twitter stuff. But um, you can also check out my blog, TheInfamousCPA.com. You know, I blog from time to time as well. And I also have a ton of free work resources on my site. As well as the link in my bio on instagram and twitter so you can get access to like you know a book drive with hella free books uh you can get access to a free monthly budget spreadsheet um a lot of my i think most of my podcast interviews or at least a couple of them are in my bio as well my other ones uh, you can check out those then i also have a car rental course like it's the blueprint how to make passive income in the rental car industry um so i have that as well and then other services like if you're you need credit repair, you can visit the seven hundred circlecom and that's seven hundred the numbers. Then um, what else? I think that's pretty much it.
2: Hey man, I want to say thank you again yeah, for bro, coming on, my brother. On. Uh, especially we just had you know busy, busy day. Right. Um, this is an episode that should have happened a
0: minute.
1: Yeah. Ago, so I'm glad it happened. Definitely should have, but no, mm. I definitely, definitely thankful you, thankful for y'all having me on. On the podcast, man, y'all doing big things. Top 50. I saw that. Hey, I'm like, whenever y'all in the millionaire mind says, y'all be going crazy, bro. And I just be like, I will be on the sideline just cheering for y'all, bro. Like, it's super dope what y'all doing. The impact y'all having on the community, bro, is like, man, it's really, it's really dope. So keep doing what y'all doing. Keep growing. Keep impacting the community. You know, keep having dope guests on the podcast. That's going to help, you know, add more value because we really changing the dynamic dynamic of Black Wealth, uh, you know, day by day. Uh, so definitely keep at it, bro. Super proud of y'all. And I definitely wish y'all continued success.
2: Appreciate it, my brother. much success to you too,
1: man. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, We're going to get into some housekeeping. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So once again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Black Wealth and the uh, as you just mentioned, we hit top 50. That was that was lit for us. We appreciate you guys as always. Like we said, we just want you guys to keep liking and sharing, sharing the message. we try trying to spread this, this knowledge, this black belt message. Y'all also, make sure y'all check out the Double Up podcast. I don't think you actually mentioned it in here, but we probably got a podcast too. Yeah. Y'all yeah. supposed to check
1: that yeah. out. Yeah, out. yeah. I, I look, look, I've been doing so much, I forgot. But yeah, definitely check out the double up podcast uh, so we talk about personal and professional development as well as business investing in real estate um, so definitely check us out you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify um etc cetera, etc cetera. Hey,
2: um, and also y'all check out our book manage your money like the one percent um, we speak about personal development like you said mindset development budgeting uh, we give you a few tips, like he uh, talked about the snowball method, the avalanche method, or how to start paying down your debt. Um, and we give away some um, investment advice. It's not like super detailed investment advice. It's really how to I find. I really like
0: yeah. classified as investment advice. We give
2: you education. Yeah, yeah. So. That's, okay, that's what we're giving: education on investment. Because we're not telling you where to invest. We're just telling you different things of how you can invest
0: in how to get started in some of those games. So, with that said, this is Black Wolf for the songs. signing out. <laughs> I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot, unless there's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper, all I know is run money marathons. I got money on my mind trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless some money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is money. Marathon. You can catch me with it.
2: What's up, y'all? This is Clint Coley, and I'm the host of the Music is a Love Language podcast. Now, check this out. If you're a fan of music podcasts, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Music is a Love Language podcast. We are a podcast that has honest conversations about music all day, every day. If you like to argue music, this is the podcast you want to be listened to, and it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop and powered by creators. Again, Make sure you guys follow and subscribe. Music is the Love Language Podcast. I'm Clint Coley. Hope to have your ear soon.